Welcome, my children. Deep Woods by Aaron Michael Ritchie. Are we? We are really going to kill him? Sammy, of course, would ask. Cute looted baronet, Brownie. Sammy, with a cute little upturned nose. Of course we are. Carly chopped up the line of drugs in the Cody High Ridge High School bathroom. She was tall. She was blonde. She wore red lipstick. Like she cut her lip, and finally Chinnahan, smoking like a fire, deep calm, red hair. Pull back to her scalp. No one is going to miss that freak. Carly snorted her a fat line and winced, blinked, and grabbed a cigarette out of her in his hand. That's right, the woods are deep. He's a hermit. He'll be, we'll be fine. She snapped her fingers. That's, that's, let's see it. Out of her purse, Janini's .351 Magnum. You look so hot holding that, Curly Hust. Damn straight, Joanna said. We get him in, onto his knees and then we put the gang to his head, back of his head, and we pull the trigger, executioner style. Sammy chewed a nail. Sammy in a stupid nose, which ended up like all the others, buried in powder, a snort. You ready? Let's go. Carly's pickup jingled down the road, dirty road. All three girls crammed in the cab. Sammy in the middle, in case she tried to bolt. Carly driving, Gianna riding shotgun. Autumn woods shadowed in crimson, trees blotched and bleeding. Yellow leaves like trash on either side of the road. What happened to him? Sammy asked, thumbnail back into her throat. Why is he all so freaky? He was a vet, came back from wreck, messed up. That's why he gets those fat jacks from the government. The cigarette jumped on Jenna's lips as she spoke. Kalida reached over Sammy and took the cigarette from Jenna. It's also why he wears a mask when he goes to the post office to pick up his money. Carly took a drag, breath out, breathed out smoke. Wouldn't, wouldn't no trouble to, for us to get the checks. I got the key to his box. The postmaster is a pervert. Red lips covered, curved in the grimace. A real pervert. Whose knees get dirty? Joanna punched her question with a kiss. Not, not no more. Cully held a whisper in her eyes. When we start picking up his money, instead of him, well, we won't need our short skirts to earn our blow no more. You blow, Cully You always blow, Cully held a whisper, a whisper of her own. A cabin in the woods slumped. Wood, rod, nothing grey. Showers, sparrows chittering from the trees and the chill. Twilight, Cully all hips swayed up to the door. Not, not. Shuffling inside, the door creeped a slow open. The freak was there, bigger than Carly thought. How close, so close, she could have smelled him. Wood smoke, dirty man. Filthy gross, a fringe of hair, balding, glad fish, pulpy, misshapen brow and cheeks. Wet mouth, but his eyes were pretty bright blue. It darted from Carly to the truck, back to Carly, back to the truck. Squirrels squabbled. Hey, Mrs. Volvies, Carly had said with a smile. I'm Carly Ann. 
I knew this is kind of weird, but I'm going, uh, doing a report for school about this. Maybe we could talk. A grunt from the freak. Maybe. She looked down in his hands as a magazine on the floor. Scattered pictures of naked women. The drugs told Collie what to do. She reached down and eased the magazine out of his hands. Sexy. I look at my brother's magazines all the time. She felt the creepy or creepy all over her, but the thing, feelings were muted by the drugs and her heart was roaming like a waterfall in her chest. She rolled up the magazine to a tight cylinder and put it to her mouth. So, can we do the interval? Maybe. I hope so, Cuddy said, tapping the magazine to her lip on her lips. Only a couple more minutes. Her friends went back into the cab- went into the cabin through the back. Freak's mouth gaped and oozed freak. Maybe behind him, movement, Joanna, with her gun, Sammy to back her, back her up. While Chloe couldn't see them, a freak was taking up the entire doorway. He turned and the gunfire deafened. Blood speckled Chloe's face. Christ, Chloe, you could have, the freak would go down. His ears and half his face were gone, but he was still moving. By the door, he picked up a trusted axe, handle grey. Joanna showed him again. Barbara Cully backed off her feet, moving to the truck. A breath like barbed wire in her lungs. Another blast from the point three five seven. Pieces of meat everywhere, and then he disappeared into the cabin. A tussle, screaming, roaring, roaring. Judith and Semi hit the doorway at the same time, but nothing. Both trying to squeeze through. Cully's thought. Uh, watch as the axe came back on Sammy's head, spitting her face on a line. Johnny ran out towards her, but after footfalls, Curdy's could hear the squeak of the axe being pried from Sammy's skull. Then the freak was running for them, blood raining from her in a patter of leaves. Hands empty, Johnny's would drop. Joanna must have dropped the gun. Stupid, someone's has got wrong with her. Uh, Ponyhill must have gone undone. Kylie banged into the truck, threw it into gear. She couldn't wait for Joanna. Kylie jammed the gas pedal to the floor, but her hands slipped at the wheel. The pickup struck on an oak tree. Leaves scattered and acorns pinned at the roof. The door opened. Kylie yanked out. Looking up, Kylie expected a freak and said, Joanna... Her face crushed with rage. Are you going to leave me, you bitch? Joanna's red hair was going coming loose. But her hair, her scalp, hanging from her skull. The fake must have chopped her. Are you crazy, Joanna? We have to go. Joanna sat on Curly, bleeding on the way. Obviously crazy, crazy in her eyes. I hate you stealing my cigarettes all the time. I hated you. The fake came up, axe high, and a chunk of metal. On the arm, eyes rolled back and Joanna struck down to the side. Another squeak of the axe, leaving bone. Curly looked into the freak's mangled face, all of fear gone. This is how legends thought she start, she thought, with a stupid calm. Deep in the woods, three girls killed by a manic, maniac with an axe. No one will ever know the truth. It was a relief. It felt unfair. Her turn. Chink. Hi, host here. Diamond Widow. He stops and watches for a moment, sweat collecting on his brow. 
The air is thick and swampy, stirred with a congesting stink of a cheap cologne and body odour. He pushes through the crowd before he fixates, keeping his eyes locked on the mark. The song changes the bright face fads. A crowd prompts a DJ, rolls his arm in a circle. A group of girls down front howl and raise their drinks, liberation sloshing from the confines, the high-born tumblers, staring behind the spectacle before him, he stalks with the precision of an experienced predator. He's been casing her for a month, dropping faces to sit near her in the VIP area, using his escorts, sailing away from his pocket faster than a hooker in a naval port of call, but it will be worth it. These stones look rare, and even though she tells people he knows about jewelry, he knows fuck all about diamonds compared to him. It's his bread and fucking butter. Every weekend she's there in the VIP room, covered in diamonds with an assortment of interesting gentlemen. Tonight she's adorned with no further than twenty blue baby blue stones, twenty freaking rocks, and set off a Verlian stifle put for anyone in his field. He might as well be a slobbering dog. She tells people she knows she works for a jewelry store in the creek where the sobs and the arseholes live. She's designing her own sets. This is a delicate work she's, he's doing. He plans to walk away for at least five rocks. Then he'll vanish. He's done it a hundred times. Tonight the mark is alone. Eyes and his goal, he sweeps for his club, attitude coal, protecting his image. Tonight he'll be a stockbroker, even pulled the porch out of storage. He stops at the velvet rope and eyeballs the bouncer, who could clearly clean the floor with him. With the money he's tossing away, he won't be the bouncer's best interest to lay a finger on his lapels and Arari suits, and alterations don't go together. Autotations don't go together. His inner pockets contains his wallet, smooth as a rope's blocking him from the lounge. He fishes it out, stifles two Benjamins. A grant towards the bouncer tells him to keep the extra. The bouncer nods and let him through without incident. A chestnut-haired bundle with daddy-ish issues, worrying just enough to shame the family, sits him at the table near the railings. It's little too close to the speaker array for his comfort. Now the mark is talking to a salt man who looks like someone took Tom Cruise and smashed his face to a curb a couple of times. He's one of those alpha moment types. Little Tommy is staring at her tits and she doesn't even notice. Maybe she does. Maybe she likes the attention. A waitress gets a, gets a drink down in front of him. Three fingers of aged gin walked in front of the bottle of tonic for good measure. Twenty-seven dollars, she yells over the music. Twenty-seven freaking dollars, she thinks. Go down, rip off. He smirks and glances at the waitress, points at his target. What's he having? He glances back. Anything top shelf, he says with a wink. Squinting, he watches the mark as he assesses his strategy. Something in a martini glass, something nice. He hands the waitress three twenties. Keep the rest. He knows he's got got to get the target away from the alpha male. By the looks of things, all interested in Jerry Maguire is waning. 
A diet drink will send her his way. He knows it will. He examines the diamonds hanging around her neck, studied in her ears, decorating her fingers. Blue fucking diamonds. Not that we, not turquoise, not zeccarine or sapphire. They are diamonds. His mouth watering, he takes a sip and waits. A waitress saunters up, hands her drink and points him back to her. Hands her the drink and points back to him. He smiles, nods, raises his glass, just the slightest bit, target engaged. A mark is one cold-hearted bitch. She doesn't even say anything to little Tommy, just walks on over with a drink on one hand. In hand, she stops at the edge of the table and takes a slip. Orange cranberry martini, holding his gaze with hers, she splashes the drink of her. Splashes the rest of her drink across the floor. I do not. I do. I'm not that kind of girl. He sits back a little. That cocktail hussy must have pocketed at least twenty fifty. I've got you over here, didn't I? I told. I, he holds his hands towards the empty seat. A world of some champagne. He stares at him. What's the occasion? I told the waitress to bring something nice. He can do a little better than that. He nods a glass. Let me buy you a real drink. He tugs at her skirt and slides into the boom, leaning her forward, leaning forward on to her elbows, draping a five-stone necklace across the top of a cleavage. What do they call you? Logan, he sighs. And what does Logan, how does Logan afford for champagne? As rehearsed, Logan is a stockbroker, he tells her. He lays it on extra thick. And what does one call you? One could call me Ali, she replies with a superstitious smile. How did Ali come across some fine, such fine, so many diamonds? Some were gifts, she says simply. The rest I made, you made? I am working, Jewry, she replies. I make all sorts of things, things that require diamonds with a shrug. She holds up her right hand, displays the setting of a right ring finger. This was my ex-husband's. She says, men like to give me gifts, pointing at various diamonds, she says. Gentleman caller, gentleman caller, living boyfriend, doi toi. He nods. Does that not intimidate you? She asks, should it? You, they, are, they, they are unique, special, she leans forward. A coy smile between her pouty lips, rare, closer, one of a kind. She locks, he locks his sight right on her, uh, her kisser. Her perfume is overpowering, just like the woman who wears them. You move, your move. Come closer, coming closer, she sets her lips on his. He swells her tongue around his mouth. Bullseye. He pulses the engine a few times as he stops, slows to stop. He's got two of her diamonds in his back pocket. Her earrings, a row of stone, he pried off her. One of her rings was with a little cunning. Eddie rubs her iron towards down the armrest of the door. Jesus Christ, I love Catherine Dever. She moans, Catherine, Catherine, he's doing flat of sits in his grave. Just, it's just plain car seat, unless it's a attractive young woman. Ladies such as self is present to mar it. You are too pregnant, too much, she says. She teases him, goes in for a kiss, and once their lips brush, she signs a little bit. A smile on her lips, she is, she, 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 she's his. What about dinner tomorrow? Shit. Sounds good. What, what are you thinking? She hums, you pick the place, pick me up at seven. 
It's not going to happen. She notices she's missing some docks. She'll be pissed. Hell, missing diamonds like this will let him, him on the place food are. I know the perfect little restaurant. You won't be disappointed. She unbuckles the seatbelt and straddles the console, pressing her body against it with a sloppy twist. She says, I don't think I'll, I'm done with you yet. A wicked grin on her red lips. She grins, grips the shifter and hammers it like a tall. He raises an eyebrow. Oh, really? How about you drive us over to the creek? I've always wanted a man to have, wanted a man to have me have me on a blanket of diamonds. Suddenly she's speaking his language. I know the safe combo, she whispers in his ear. Isn't that legal? legal? He whispers with smoke. Very. He stands down and accelerates and spins the tyres. Ellie's still grinding her hips against him. A Porsche rocks down the street, engine screaming right into the dark night. She hits several buttons on the security system and pulls him by the collar, nearly toppling them both over. She laughs, shushes him. What, what? Who would be here to hear it? Let me show you the basement, she says. It's where I do most of my work. That wicked grin again. Briefly, he wishes he, this, this was real. She's a schoolgirl would be fun. Who would get him into trouble? After trouble. He had his, he had, but he's had his eyes on the prize. It's getting closer by the minute. He got through a small workroom. He quickly inspects each section. Station benches were molded with tabletop mounted magnifying glasses and tweezers. Perry dresses, clothes, chairs pushed in. Everything is put away. Not a single diamond in sight. She puts, pulls against the handle of the metal door. With some heft, it shifts open, revealing a thin doorway, doorway to a dark room. Eddie turns to kiss him, kisses him. I'll show you a new ring I'm making. It's platinum. She looks over the top of to bottom with a grin, uh, with hungering eyes, and leads him down the stairs. A draft blows over his arms, he's chilled to the core. The room is high ceilings, is made of brick. It feels like a fetal cavern of his crater. The room smells of smoke and polishing rouge with a hint of dank. There are workbenches out there, down there. There's nothing loving you use. There's a metal furnace in the corner, sitting unlit for the night. It stinks of hot, as it's con- it hasn't completely cooled. After a long day, tools of the trade hang from a pegboard on the wall. Four large machines sit on a row, ten feet off the wall. He inspects all one of them. What What are these? Kills of some sort? He takes his hand and tugs them further into the room. We use those to make diamonds. His breath catches, his blood runs cold. Are they artificial diamond furnaces? Are you are yours? No, no. Oh, God, no. My diamonds are all natural. I wouldn't dream of wearing anything else. She pulls him up the up to the kiffs since they entered the building. There's a moment of relief. He hasn't known for sure. Until he came closer to look at the stones. Diamond, diamonds really are, girl's best friend. I have, you have an idea, she says. I want to show you something. They stop before a large and cynical machine that takes up a considerable amount of space. Whenever this machine is red hot, it's connected to a metal ventilator hose and has it open in a sort system. It sits in a pit which he guesses is around 10 feet high in the bottom lip for lining the floor. The machine is open at the top section at eye level and shuts with a large lever. There's a hand crank on one side and an instrument panel 
that attached to the front. This seems a lot. This seems a lot of machine just to make a small ring. He muttered. It doesn't make things," she said, pulling out and shoving the tongue. They spoke. You could. You should let me make your ring. He raises her eyebrows. What did you have in mind? For someone else, for some of your size, I'm guessing. She lays her lips on him again. Pinks gives him a forceful kiss, but you didn't have, you wouldn't have time to forget. Mmm, four carrots. The swing of her hand is quick and unexpected. The pipe looks in square on her face. His ears ring. His mind goes blank. The simple notion of bringing his head on his cr- cheek snaps all his energy. His aches elsewhere. His head shakes and spasms for a moment. He's nothing more than a six-foot blubber head. A line of blood down the side of his face and laps over his eyes, fingers. He tries to speak but only manages a short moan. And he shoves her hand in his pocket. I've been taking these back, she says calmly. With little effort, she fishes out the two filthy diamonds from his pocket and sets them aside. She tosses her pipe away and explains the side, examines the side of the face, looking as he might be concerned. Don't worry, she says, crossing into quietly the air. I'll make you a good wing. She shoves him hard. He stumbles back and falls into the machine, hitting his head and lip at the column of his way back. The last thing he sees is a cool smile spread across the face, a hand resting on the lever. The lid becomes, comes down and stretches that, leaving him in total darkness, suffocating the sweat, the smell of hot metal. He suddenly has time to register it before the shearing pain rips his body in a fraction of an instant, for he subjected two million pounds of pressure, enough to heat to instantly melt the face of his skull. He immediately thinks you're fucking bitch. This is a nice set, Eddie Boss. Says plucking loop from his eye. This diamond is nearly flawless. I love this shape of the colour. This setting is exquisite. Not Eddie, not thank you. I'd like to feature this in the display case, he says. What do you call it? The Logan? She glances over and nods. I like it. They're bringing quite a lot of bit of money. I've already paid for the materials at my favourite place. I'm not ready to put to part with it. That's too bad the commission you'll make on it, he says. Then you can make yourself, you can make me something like it. Something I could sell? She sucks. You're too modest for the amount of talent you may have. He hands her ring back. I've seen, I have never seen anyone make a band quite like yours. I'd like to design, you to design me a set of sell by the end of the month. A wink and smile, he palms her ass in passing, giving the slightest squeeze before walking away. She glares at him with rod of anger, flickering behind her eyes. Don't worry, she says. I'll make you a nice, real, 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 a real nice ring.